Rose, thank you so much for reading um, to us and um, reading for us so beautifully this morning. Um, let's pray as we think about this passage together. Father God, thank you uh, for your words to us um, in the Bible. Thank you for um, communicating with us and loving us. And we pray um, as we um, look at these this morning, your Holy Spirit would speak deep into our hearts. Help us to hear your small, still voice. And we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you to Carl too for um, that beautiful song and that reminder about God moving mountains um, and always being faithful to us. And that's um, a perfect song as we think about this passage. But before we do, um, a quick reminder again about why Jesus chose to communicate through stories, um, through parables like these ones. Um, and there are some helpful words from um, one of the Lent books um, this year, um, which is called Living His Story. And it says, the parables can help us picture what it means to enter into and receive this new kingdom. Parables can provide us with a precious window into this alternative way of being in the world revealing the extraordinary through the ordinary. I love those words. Uh, they help us to see um, how the extraordinary of God's world, uh, of God's kingdom, is revealed through the ordinary ways in our world. So the other week, uh, I needed to drop something off at a good friend's house. Um, I hadn't called to say that I was going to be visiting. Um, it was an impromptu visit, um, but I was really, really hoping to see her in person because I hadn't seen her since before the beginning of lockdown. So I uh, rang the bell and I waited and I rang the bell again and I waited again. Um, and then I checked to see whether she hadn't heard her doorbell um, and there was no answer. So I left a message figured that she was out on a walk with her family um, and left um, for home. She then texted really soon afterwards to say that she'd been working upstairs and hadn't heard the uh, doorbell or the phone. Um, I was gutted. Um, anyway, um, the point of that story is to, um, to help us to think about prayer. Um, and I'm sure I'm not alone in wondering what the use of prayer is at times and giving up far too quickly and easily. But giving up is like ringing the doorbell a few times, perhaps even phoning, and then walking away before we've really persisted and before we've given time for our friend to answer the door. Jesus is responding to a request here from his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. And he goes on to give a simple pattern for prayer because prayer can seem pretty daunting, can't it? And perhaps Jesus knew that this is how his disciples felt. Because God is sovereign and creator, perhaps we should come apologetically and avoid talking about what's really on our minds or hearts. Or perhaps we just drop a quick prayer and run off, uh, not wanting to bother God again. But Jesus says that prayer is none of these things. And instead, he makes it really simple for us here. He gives us a model of a short prayer and then a story where he uses an illustration of God being a friend and a father. So let's start with a parable. Just imagine the scene. Now in the sort of house Jesus describes, the family would have slept on the floor side by side. And if anyone had got up, it would have disturbed everybody else 
and possibly also the, the animals that may have been sort of somewhere in the building with them. But you have a traveling friend drop in and you have no fresh bread to give them. There are no 24 hour supermarkets um, back then. So the only option you have is to pop into a neighbor. Now, in those days, in that culture, hospitality demanded that you feed travelers. And so you go to your neighbor next door, knowing that you would return the favor to them if needed in the future. And despite all your friends' protests and grumpy replies, you keep on knocking and knocking at the door. Now, in our street, uh, neighbors have been known to regularly pop in on each other to ask for items, um, usually the odd egg or a bag of sugar for urgent cake making, or perhaps a tin of chickpeas or an onion for um, that um, important curry. Now, during the first lockdown, uh, when eggs seemed to be in short supply, one of our neighbors brought um, a whole load of, box of boxes of eggs back with her um, and distributed around them around the street. I have no hesitation popping to any number of my neighbors um, and would have, well, I'd be more than happy to supply their needs. But I'm not sure that I would bother them for food in the middle of the night. Now, I have to say that I'm a little bit like this chap in the story. I don't like being woken up. I'm pretty grumpy um, in the middle of the night, as my family would testify. So I really get this guy's attitude. And I'm sure I would also say, don't bother me. Um, I've been known to say this to my family in the middle of the night. But in this story, the man keeps on knocking and knocking on his friend's door late at night until the friend eventually gets up. The words remind me of a teacher who both our girls adored and who was often known to say, I can't believe you had the audacity to do that. Shameless audacity, intrepid boldness, bold or arrogant disregard for the usual ways of doing things like following a teacher's instructions. Because of the man's shameless audacity, the friend got up and gave him as much as he needed. Now, you're probably familiar with the idiom, it's all Greek to me, meaning something that's difficult to understand. Well, I decided to give uh, learning Greek a go as part of my studies, um, and I can honestly say it is really difficult. Um, I struggle with English grammar, so I had no idea how I thought I was going to manage with the complexities of Greek grammar. But you do find some incredibly interesting details about what's actually written in the New Testament. And for example, this phrase here, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you, rather than being a one-off action of ask, knock and seek, the Greek grammar is a continuous action. So this phrase actually should read, ask and go on asking, seek and go on seeking, knock and go on knocking. It's an idea of persistence, of continuation. And the idea of persistence is also reinforced by the increasing intensity of the words. So seeking is stronger than asking, and knocking is stronger than seeking. You see, necessity drives boldness. When we really need something, we will keep on asking. God says we should not be afraid to be like this when we talk to him. He wants to know when we are really serious. This guy didn't have what he needed and couldn't rely on his own resources because he didn't have any. The same goes for us. We don't often have, or we don't usually have what we need, 
and we shouldn't try and rely on our own resources and competence. We need to be vulnerable and tell God exactly what we need each day. Just like we're encouraged to ask for daily bread as a symbol of our utter dependence on God. But the bread is also for someone else. So at the same time, we should be asking the question, what needs are there outside ourselves? God wants us to bring those things to him. Jesus then shifts the scene to talk about God as father, which links back to the model prayer that he described in the first few verses. He says, if an earthly father would not dream of giving stones or snakes to his children, how much more would our heavenly father give good things? Why does Jesus change the story to a father who's asked for food by his child? Well, perhaps he thought he knew that his hearers were thinking, well, if God is like the unwilling, grumpy neighbour, I'm not sure I want to ask him anything. But remember I said a few weeks ago that there's always a twist in the parables when Jesus challenges his hearers. Well, the twist in this story is this. God doesn't eventually give in because he's fed up with us bugging him, like this cranky friend. Um, but how much more will God because the point is, and the twist is, God is not like this grumpy neighbour. God is a loving father. How much more God, our heavenly father, will meet the needs of his children. Psalm 121 says, He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God is not like this man in the parable. God doesn't sleep. He is watching over us already, and so is attentive to us at all times. This midnight encounter in the story could have put a strain on this human friendship, but it delights God's heart when we come to him at midnight with our prayers. And I suppose the first question is for us is this. If God is this good friend and father, do I see God in this way? Do I know God as friend and father? The friend who is woken at midnight is exactly that. He is a friend, and that's why the needy neighbour knows that he could call on him. Jesus encourages us with the, and his, the rest of his hearers with this information. He says, this is the sort of relationship we can have with God, the creator of the universe. We can know him as friend and father, not as a lofty, distant being. And when we know God in this way, we will probably find it a lot easier to come to him and to bang on his door at midnight than if we only know him as somebody who is far off. The second thing to ask is this. So how does God actually want us to pray, which is the original request from the disciples? I think it's really important to remember that prayer is not just about rattling off lists of things to God. Sometimes it might be, but this asking, seeking and knocking can often happen in quietness and stillness, in tears and wordless moments when we sit and we don't even know what to say or how to pray. We've spoken before of using the acronym PRAY to help us think about our prayers, P-R-A-Y, pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. When I was chatting to a friend the other day, 
who has young children, she said to me, Rach, sometimes I only get to the pause bit and I never make it any further. I literally just get to say, here I am, Lord. And I said to her, do you know what? That's okay. I think there are seasons in life and all we can do is pause. And I believe God delights in the fact that we are here. Sometimes I think God wants us to stop prattling on about stuff and just wants us to listen to what he has to say. Simply to read a Bible passage. Look at the world outside our back door, our neighbour over the fence, our team at work on a virtual meetings call and say, what are you saying? But God does want us to be persistent and to show that we care about seeing our world change for good. And Jesus guides us and helps us understand what the focus of our persistent prayer should be by giving us an example that we call the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. It's a simple prayer for everyday use, for ordinary life. But it's also a corporate prayer. The language is plural, Our Father. And being part of a community is what God longs for all of us. Just as here at All Souls, where we can encourage and support each other and pray for each other. This prayer is not a loosely connected string of petitions, but it's a prayer which grows out of the very mission of Jesus, which was always focused on the kingdom of God. And it's for people who are following him, following him, following him on this kingdom journey. The beginning of Mark's gospel reports Jesus saying this, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And in verse 2 here, Jesus tells us to pray, your kingdom come. This should be the purpose and focus of our prayers. When we look at the parables, they are all about God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven and a longing for all people to come to know God as friend and father. So it means that our requests are not selfish they are for God's glory and for his kingdom to come. And finally, what is God offering? Verse 13 says, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God does delight to meet our daily needs, but essentially he's not offering us stuff or solutions. God is offering us himself. He is the greatest gift. We need to know God as friend and father through the person of Jesus and through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit working deep in our lives. We may still have questions about why prayer isn't answered or answered in the way we expect or want or why there's so much pain and suffering in the world. But in promising to give us the Holy Spirit, God is promising that what he gives is good and is the best. God will give us himself. One writer has put it like this. If we really want to be men and women of God, if we really want to know him and walk with him and experience those boundless blessings which he has to offer us, we must persist in asking him for them day by day. We have to feel this hunger and thirst, and then we shall be filled. 
And that does not mean that we're filled once and forever. We go on hungering and thirsting and asking and seeking and knocking. We need more of the Holy Spirit's fullness every day in our lives. Jesus tells, to, tells us to come to him as needy children, to keep on asking and seeking and knocking, and we won't be sent away empty-handed. Our Father promises to pour out his Holy Spirit on us. And we're going to do that now. We're going to spend some time in worship, and I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to come, whether for the first time or whether for the hundredth time. Let us pray simply. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts. Kindle in us the fire of your love. Amen.